0: For you today. Thank you for your blessings in our lives. And Lord, what you are doing, we ask you to guide and direct in each part of this service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I want to thank each one that prayed. Uh, these uh, uh, meetings that we go to, uh, we... Left here at five thirty Monday morning. Arrived in Cleveland about three o'clock or so Monday afternoon. We're in services in the evening, and then uh, then uh, Tuesday morning we're in services, uh, and uh, Tuesday evening and did music in the services with the Marshall family. And uh, the Lord uh, blessed, and it was a very good time. The preaching was great. Got to see brother. Davidson and Brother Cope, several of our friends from Heartland were there. And uh, have no idea what that noise is. Sounds like somebody working on their car. But uh, maybe it will drift away. And uh, got to actually, uh, the Prangers that are in our uh, bulletin from Sunday, got to talk to Brother and Mrs. Pranger. They uh, actually are leaving tomorrow morning. To go back to Hungary. And uh, so it was a good time. Um, (coughs) Excuse me. And uh, right now we have at least six men planning on going with us to Brother Davis's um, or going to meet us there at at his place. And if you still want to go and help on that, if you have Saturday free, uh, meet us right here at the church. Uh, we'll be leaving about 6 in the morning. We're trying to put a roof on Brother Davis's house. You say, I, I can't do much. Well, if you can stand on the ground and hand things up, that's, that's all you need to do to be qualified, all right? And, and so uh, we've got a pretty good crew, but could always use one or two more. And I uh, also got to see uh, Brother Clayton, and he's excited about coming here in just a couple of weeks. He'll be here with us. It's hard to believe Uh, our 18th anniversary. It just seems like yesterday we were walking down the halls of that church and uh, Peter was uh, the age of Jason and we didn't have any other children back then. That's the way it was when we were in Cleveland and uh, it was very, very good to be back there for the meeting and uh, so... um, with all of that, if I sound a little disoriented, it's just been a very, very long week. Someone said once, Pastor, I, I like the fact that you get to go to vacation at these meetings. And uh, that is not what happens. Uh, I almost get some sleep once in a while. But uh, uh, we had two committee meetings, and uh, uh, the earliest one was over 1130 at night, and uh, but Uh, It was a very good time. We were able to uh, review the business there for Heartland Baptist Bible College and also for the Global Independent Baptist Missions Board. And uh, we'll be explaining a lot more of that during our missions conference. Brother Bob Lewis, who is the Associate Director, is going to be here for our missions conference. And so uh, a lot of good things Uh, are going on and other churches are being encouraged and and moving forward so we praise the lord for all that and uh, don't forget uh, saturday those that can go with us and then of course our regular services sunday so we'll have franz come back and lead us in another song and then we'll get right into our bible study Bibles, if you would, Psalm 119, and just share another blessing with you, if I may. Uh, while I was at the conference, uh, a pastor I've known for many years, his name is Larry Obero. He pastors uh, a large uh, Philippine Baptist, Filipino Baptist church in uh, San Diego area, and he is going to be preaching our missions conference, not this year, Brother Bob Lewis is this year, but in 2011, Brother Larry Obero and his wife will be coming out from California, Lord willing, to uh, preach our missions conference. I'm looking very, very forward to that. Brother Obero actually gave to help us buy our building. And uh, and uh, he is a a wonderful man, a faithful servant of the Lord. And uh, he, we're looking forward to all the things that happen. It's It's good. Preachers need preaching. And that's why... Uh, I go to the meeting, and so uh, I just uh, thank you for the privilege of being able to go. And let's get right into our Bible study tonight. We're still in the uh, Iain or Ain, depending on how you want to enunciate that Hebrew letter there, stroph. We are on the 16th out of 22 letters, and as we are moving through, we are seeing the growth in the life of the psalmist, most people believe that David uh, wrote this psalm, but uh, we have no absolute strong evidence, and it really is not that great of import. If it were, God would have let us know beyond any shadow of a doubt. But it seems to be the, the prayer journal of of this man who wrote this psalm, and each of the 176 verses is a different look a different approach to how God's word should and can and must work in our lives and let's just start at verse 121 read the entire set of 8 verses I have done judgment and justice leave me not to mine oppressors be surety for thy servant for good let not the proud oppress me Mine eyes fail for thy salvation and for the word of thy righteousness. Deal with thy servant according unto thy mercy and teach me thy statutes. Where will pick up tonight? I am thy servant. Give me understanding that I may know thy testimonies. It is time for thee, Lord, to work, for they have made void thy law. Therefore, I love thy commandments above gold, yea, above fine gold. Therefore, I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, and I hate every false way. So as we go through this set of eight verses, it does not, nor was it ever intended, to stand all alone, but we see that He divides this set of eight verses up into four sections, each set of two verses, and he is stating that God's word is doing a work in his life. This is where I am. Lord, this is what I'm asking or I'm expecting you to do. Now, you turn on, we went over this a little bit last Thursday night, you turn on TBN and some of those stations and they'll tell you Well, you just tell God what you want and He'll give it to you. Now, that's not Bible. God is not your servant. We're supposed to be His. Amen? God is not here to give you the desires of your carnal heart. He's here to change your heart so that it will desire the things that He desires. And... There is a confidence that should develop after years of walking with the Lord that we would know what God wants. In fact, there are many times that we do know what God wants, but we don't want what God wants. Ever been there? And the psalmist is saying, Listen, I've done judgment and justice. What a statement! And he's saying, leave me not to the oppressors. Lord, I'm doing what's right. Protect me. Be surety for thy servant. And we understand that word surety as it's used in the Bible is a contract, is an agreement. And that God has promised, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee even unto the end of the world. And so we see that he's saying, listen, God, I've obeyed your word. I know you're going to take care of me. We often read these verses almost backwards. He says, mine eyes fail for thy salvation. And, and we read those verses and we say mournfully, oh, uh, the psalmist was just discouraged and down in, in the way. And, and, and he's just saying, God, if you don't save me, I'm going, to, I'm going to slip. Now, he actually did say that in the cough stroke back in the mid-80s. He said, how long am I going to live? I'm like a, I'm like a bottle in the smoke. I'm, but here, that's not what he's doing. He's not going back to the despair. He's saying, I'm looking for the fulfillment of your word so fully that I'm losing sight of everything else. My eyes are failing me. I'm, I've got my eyes fixed on the fulfillment of thy word for the word of thy righteousness. I mean, wouldn't it be something? The newscaster comes on. There's been revival in Washington, D.C. The president has just professed faith in Jesus Christ. And uh, they've called in some Bible preachers to teach them the truth and they are going to start doing right in Washington, we'd say. No, no, somebody's been drinking Kool-Aid, right? Uh, Some of you aren't old enough to know what that means. Uh, But the the simple truth of the matter is, wouldn't it be wonderful if God's word were the standard of life and practice? Back in the 1820s, a a French nobleman came over here to investigate the United States because, see, France had had a revolution very close to the time of our revolution. But it was extremely different. The French Revolution was bathed in tyranny and bloodshed, and when it was all over, they finally brought the king back and said, this is still better than what we could do ourselves. When America had a revolution, there were battles fought, there were people died, there were awful things that happened, but when it was over, there was freedom in this country for everyone that lived here. Even many of the soldiers who fought on the side of the British decided not to go home but stayed here and built their families and lived their lives here. And he said, I want to know the difference. And he came over and his assessment of the United States was very similar to this, and I am paraphrasing, not quoting directly. But he said, America's power and strength is not in her vast resources, which are far more numerous than any that exist on the European continent. He said America's great strength is in her people. He said America is like a giant Sunday school class. He said the people are simple and pure in their living. Now he wasn't talking about everyone, we know that, but coming from France and Paris and the streets bathed in blood from Madame Guillotine the United States would have seemed like a huge Sunday school class. And this is what the psalmist is saying. He says, my eyes fail for thy salvation and for the word of thy righteousness. I want to see people living your word. And, of course, the psalmist knew, as we know today, that will not be fulfilled on this earth until the prince of peace rules from the city of peace. Amen? And that day is soon coming. He says, deal with thy servant according unto thy mercy and teach me thy statutes. Now, verse 125 is where we start. He says, I am thy servant. So far, he said, listen, I have done judgment. I am looking for your salvation I am thy servant, the third statement here. Now, that in itself would be a great testimony, would it not? If when you lived your life, if someone would come up and say, surely, truly, that person, put your name in there, was a servant of God, I would, that would be all I'd want to accomplish. How many times did Paul start his letters? Paul, a servant of God. The psalmist here is not saying, I hope to be a servant someday. He's not saying, that is my aspiration to really serve you. I know I haven't been doing a very good job. He says, I am thy servant. My life is wrapped up in serving you. Then why does he say, give me understanding that I may know thy testimonies. You would think if he was a servant of God, he would have to have an understanding of God's testimonies. Isn't that correct? But let me ask you a question. Can you ever understand enough about God's words? Can you ever know this book too well? I mean that's one of the things that I love about going to the preachers meetings is is I get to reap the benefits of some of the study and brother Sam Davison preached an incredible message last night out of the book of Ezekiel. Look forward to hearing a very poor imitation of that in the future sometime. But it was a great great message. And, and by the way, next summer, Brother Davison's going to be here for three days, a four-day meeting at our church, Thursday through Sunday. And uh, uh, I'm looking forward to that. And if you've never seen Brother Davison preach in person, uh, I'm going to warn you, it's going to be an experience. And, uh, and you will enjoy it. But here's what he's saying. I am a servant... Give me understanding. How many times have you done what you know the Bible says is right and it just doesn't make sense? Would anybody identify with that statement right there? All the time, amen? You know why? Because his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. God has this thing all worked out. The problem is if we're not obeying him and living where we ought to live, we're going to miss out. And if we're complaining and trying to figure out why God does things this way, God's under no obligation to explain everything to you. But as we grow in our relationship with Him, should we not understand a little more of what God's doing? Amen? Isn't that how Jesus taught His disciples? He said, I've got many things to teach you, but you can't receive them now. He said, but I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. He's going to guide you into all truth. He's going to teach you everything that I couldn't teach you because you're just not mature enough yet. And the psalmist is saying, listen, I am thy servant. I'm living for you. But God, you're going to have to give me some understanding. Look down at verse 27. This is very early on in here. He says, make me to understand the way of thy precepts, so shall I talk of thy wondrous works. He said, Lord, I want you to give me understanding of your laws, of your precepts, of those things that are written down, so I can tell other people how good you are. Here, his prayer is much, much deeper point. He's saying... Give me understanding that I may know thy testimonies. Now that word know is used many different ways in our Bible. But it means to be fully acquainted with, to be intimately acquainted in some usages, to understand everything about Have you ever met someone that knew computers? I mean, you could just ask them any question, any year, any version. How many versions of Windows are there now? 473, something like that. Uh, And and they just know it all. I remember they had a professor at my Bible college. He He was not there when I was a student. But he knew the library of the college. And at that time, there was only probably about 80,000 books in the library. And you would ask him a question. And the other professors were joking about him still, 10 years after he's gone. And he would tell you what shelf, how many books over from the end, and what page you would find the answer to your question because he wanted you to go look it up for yourself. Now, that was somebody that knew the books of the library, wouldn't you think? The psalmist here says, listen, just as people acquire vast amounts of knowledge on different subjects, he says, I want to be intimately acquainted with God's testimonies. You know, making laws is something man just loves to do. How many laws do they pass every year in our Congress? Last I heard, there are two and a half million laws in the legal code of the federal government of the United States of America. That doesn't count the laws of New York State, the laws of New York City, the laws of Queens County. I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on and on. Someone said man has passed millions of laws and all he's really trying to do is define the Ten Commandments. There is no law known to man, no code that approaches anywhere near what this Bible teaches. And the psalmist says let me know thy testimonies. Let me be intimately acquainted with how God works. He's saying, Lord, I want an understanding so that I can live and know why I'm living. Let's turn to Proverbs chapter 14 just quickly. I want us to read this verse. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 8. It says... The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way. But the folly of fools is deceit. He says, the wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way. Does that not like sound like what the psalmist is praying for here? He says, give me understanding. So that I can know thy testimonies. He says, I am thy servant. I'm serving you. I want to know why I'm serving you. We could use some prudence today, could we not? Just a little understanding of what's going on around us. That's what prudence is. To understand why we should do certain things. Why we should not do others, let's turn over to isaiah fifty six and here God is pronouncing judgment against Israel for their lack of this and we see this same idea, actually the antithesis or the exact opposite of this idea isaiah fifty six eleven It says, Yea, they are greedy dogs which can never have enough, and they are shepherds that cannot understand. They all look to their own way, every one for his gain from his quarter. This is just part of a description. He says, The shepherds, not of the sheep, he's talking about of the nation of Israel, they cannot understand. He said they just can never have enough, no matter how much you give them. But everybody is trying to get something for themselves. Does that not sound like today? Is that not what's going on in our society? It's all about me. The psalmist says, no. Lord, I want understanding." so it can be all about you and your law and your testimonies. And he's building toward a point here. In, In verse 125, he says, I am thy servant. Give me understanding that I may know thy testimonies. Verse 26, he follows up. He said, it is time for thee, Lord, to work, for they have made void thy law. How many times have have you pleaded in your heart, God, do something about this. Something needs to be done right now. It says they have made void. Thy law. The word void means to make empty, to nullify, to make of no substance. And that's, that's what's going on today. It used to be a man's word was his bond. Doesn't work that way anymore now, does it? Speak to my lawyers. They'll tell you that I really didn't mean what I said when I said what I meant so I could convince you to sign the papers to do something I wanted you to do because I didn't want to do my part. Uh, I mean, that's the way we work in society today. You cannot maintain a relationship with God's word and live that way. And the psalmist is looking here. It reminds me of the words of John in the book of Revelation. Jesus said, behold, I come quickly. Those words were written almost uh, over uh, 1,900 years ago. And he said, even so come, Lord Jesus. I want God to work, amen? Amen. It's going to be a wonderful time as we look forward to the lion laying down beside the lamb and the snakes losing their poison and all the things that will happen during his kingdom. He says, but Lord, you've got to do a work. Psalm 11 verse 3 said, oh, let's, let me read it. Um, um, it says, if the foundations be destroyed, what can the righteous do? everything that we do. Now, this is what makes Open Door Bible Baptist Church so much different than other churches. I remember telling uh, they were telling the story one time of meeting uh, it was some pastors that were meeting together with some old-time preachers and... And they had a picture of this great reverend preacher there, and we won't give his name and, and fill in all the details, and, and, uh, but things had changed. And they had a portrait of this great reverend preacher, the founder of their movement, there on the wall. And, they, and in exasperation, the one questioning all the changes said, what do you think he would think about that? Pointing to the painting. And the one that had exacted all or made all the changes said, you leave him out of it. And of course the retort was, looks like you already have. You know, and that's what goes on with the Word of God, is it not? People want to change things today. Why? To make it easier. I remember reading a book years ago, it says we want to make people comfortable. We want to make sinners comfortable in the church. How can you make someone that is an enemy with God, that's what a sinner is, amen? How many of you remember what it was to be like to be an enemy against God? How can you take someone who is an enemy against God, bring them into a place where you worship God and make them comfortable With the worship of God. We talk about spiritual warfare today, and most people get this idea of running around chasing demons through dark alleys and and with mirrors and all kinds of weird stuff. If you really want to frustrate the work of the devil, you get alone with God in a relationship of worship and reverence. And let me tell you, the devil runs screaming out of that room. He cannot abide the true worship of God. That's why we're not going to have that kind of worship that involves swaying and dancing and all that kind of stuff. It just doesn't. We're not going to, it doesn't appeal to God. We're not going to the world to get them to help us worship God. That's why the psalmist in that first set of this this duo of verses says, give me understanding. Lord, let me know what's right. Because, Lord, they're not keeping your law. They've made it void. They've made it empty. God, it's time for you to do something. And, of course, let me ask you a question. Does God ever not want to do something? God always wants to work. But if you don't have the understanding of verse 125, the understanding of his testimonies, God's not going to work, even though they make void his law. One of the things we want to do is we want to just keep on serving God according to his word. Amen? We don't need the new ways. What we need is to start doing the old ways. Amen? And that doesn't mean that we wrap ourselves in first century robes and walk in sandals because that's what they did. No. You see, the next two verses kind of sum it up. Is we come to church for the preaching and teaching of God's word and we should leave this building wanting to live those things that we have been, have heard inside the building. We want to live in the real world, God's Word. We want to show the world that God's Word still works. Amen? You see, the world invest its time to make God's word void. Because it convicts them. It makes them irritable. It, it, it say, How can you judge my life? You don't even know me. No, I'm not the one doing the judging. God's word is. But let me tell you something, when you obey God's word, That's when you find fulfillment in life. Amen. That's when you find the peace and the comfort that God has. That's when you get the understanding that God wants to give you. I like the illustration of Lazarus from the dead as Martha's talking to him. says, Lord, you're four days late. And I'm paraphrasing, of course. He says, but even now... I know that God will give you whatever you ask. You know what? God's never late. But He always waits a little longer than we think He ought to. Because God is not going to work according to your mind, He's going to work according to His. And it will always turn out better. God cannot want second best. Because he is God, he can only desire what is best. It's our goal, it's our desire, it's our need to get that understanding. So instead of being like one of those little... uh, I'm sorry, if you have a little dog, uh, I'm not against all little dogs. But you ever see them little little fuzzballs walking down the street? I mean, they're just... Over this way and over that way. And if you're not careful, they'll wrap the leash around your feet as you walk past in the other direction. And that's the way a lot of us try to serve the Lord. Always running out to the end of our leash, always jumping ahead, always trying to... I like them big old dogs that just walk right beside. You know, don't worry about the dogs that bark. Worry about the ones that don't. Those are the ones that get the bad stuff done. Trust me. Why can't we be that servant that instead of coming back, what do I do next? What do I do next? Can I help you here? And and my children love this and, and Stephen just loves to do this. Uh, We're in the middle of putting something together and I'm sitting there looking and I'm thinking and I go, now, what do I do now? And, well, Dad, why don't you... I said, now, Stephen, I know you've got some really good ideas. But at 13 years old, I'm just talking out loud. Be patient with me. I know what I want to do. We're not quite that desperate yet. We've not given up. But don't we do that to God all the time? Try to explain to him how it would be best to get something done? Aren't you glad he's more patient with us than our parents are? Look at these last two verses. The psalmist gets it. This is where he's leading. He's building up. Therefore, I love thy commandments above gold. Yea, above fine gold. The Bible. This is where the answers are. How many of you experienced deep distress of your soul and found the answers in this book called the Bible? Raise a hand to that testimony. Therefore, I love thy commandments. Amen. How many of you have found a true and eternal salvation through the shed blood of Jesus Christ by obeying the words of this book? Could you say amen to that? Therefore, I love thy commandments. Amen. How many of you have found strength and, and encouragement and commitment in serving God His way through His church. That's one of His commandments. Amen? Gets a little quieter there. You see, that's personal commitment. That means i got to do something. But if you love His commandments, it's going to make you do something. If you love me, what? Keep my commandments, and this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. Tell you, there's few things that bother me more as a father, as a parent, as when my children do what I say with a grudging attitude. <sighs> oh, that's, that's bad news in the Montoro household when that happens. You know why? Because that is a lack of understanding of what's going on. How many of you have it God sometime? Don't raise your hand on that one. I mean, that's what the psalm... Lord, I'm looking for your salvation, but I have to look so far out, I can't see it. I want the word of thy righteousness to be in existence. I want you to deal with me according to your mercy. Lord, I just want to understand that what I am doing is counting for eternity. Amen? But when he gets to the end of this, he says, just a minute, I think I can let God handle all those things. Because I know he's not going to leave me to the oppressors. I know that he's going to deal with me according to his mercy. I know that he is going to give me understanding so that I can walk with him. Not like the little dog pulling on the leash and always trying to run ahead. Not like the little man trying to give ideas to the, to the, and, and figure things out for the great master, but to follow in an understanding of his word. It says, therefore, I love thy commandments. The only hope in this life is in the word of God. Now, if you can trust God for your soul, can you trust Him for your job? If you can trust God with your soul, can you trust Him for, with your safety? In New York City? You betcha. No matter where you are. Can I trust God with what's going to happen in the stock market and in our government? I don't know who else I'd rather trust than God. Amen? Uh, By the way, you're not going to do anything about it. And you better hope that some of those people who are trying to do something about it are not successful in their attempts or we're all going to be in big trouble. And I'm talking about the anarchists and those that want to destroy this government. Brother Sam put it about the best way I've ever heard. He said... There's a lot of us that don't like government, but I don't think there's any of us that would like to live without it. And I'm sitting there, that's a a good way to put it. But listen, I love thy commandments. You know what? I can take every one of these to the bank, as they say. I can trust what God's word says. There is more value here than there is in any treasury on the face of this earth. Because I can take my life struggles, invest them in this book, and God will make it a blessing. Amen? It says, therefore I love thy commandments. Now, when David wrote this, he was talking about the 613 commandments of what you and I call the Old Testament law. But in those commandments, where the grace of God explains, Galatians, Paul put it this way, the law is our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. It is to teach us that only through the finished work of Jesus. Now look at verse 128. It says, Therefore, because I love thy commandments, because I know that you're not going to leave me to my oppressors, because I know that you're going to deal with me according unto thy mercy, because I know that you're going to give me understanding. I love thy commandments, therefore I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right. Did you get that? I mean, that's a long phrase. That's one of the longest phrases, single phrases in the entire psalm. He says, therefore I esteem all thy precepts. Okay, the idea of the word precept, if we'll remember, that word has a picture of God's words as bricks that are built into a wall. They're interlocking, they're overlapping. Uh, They are put together in such a way as to build something that will be strong and will not give in. It's saying, listen, I esteem all thy precepts all of God's regulations all of God's commandments concerning all things to be right now i know to whom i'm speaking tonight and that is not a revelation nor it should not be a revelation that the psalmist would esteem God's word to be right about everything right I mean, is that new for somebody here? Not if you've been around Open Door Bible Baptist Church very long. That is our one theme. But I want you to get that first word. He says, esteem. You see, we live in a world of esteem, do we not? But we have to put a prefix, self-esteem. We want to build self-esteem. Let me tell you, that is the last place your esteem should be placed. Esteem is to hold up, is to value. He's saying, I am making a value judgment. I am making one of those landmark decisions in my life. He said, I, I didn't understand all this way back at the beginning, but I've progressed in my faith to the point where I understand, I have made an estimation, I esteem that every word of God concerning everything that it speaks about, to be right. Now let me tell you how we say that today in our church. This book is the final authority for faith and practice. And oftentimes when I'm dealing with people of different religions, I I like to ask this question, what is your final authority? Where do you go when you don't have the answer? You see, where I go is I go to this book called the Bible. You say, well, what if the Bible doesn't have the answer? Well, then, my friend, it's very simple. You don't need it. Amen? But God has given all things that pertain unto life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that hath called us to glory and virtue. You have. Everything you need is in this book. But you've got to make a choice. You see, it's by faith. I esteem this book to be God's word in the English language. Every word of this book comes from God. That's why I don't need a mountain of commentaries, uh, dictionaries. Now, I use books and I, I try to read and I try to... Understand what other people say. But I'll tell you, the main book I study when I study the Bible is the Bible. And I want to encourage you to do the same. You've got to make a decision based on faith. What's going to be your final authority? You know what? There are people. I remember walking into a a Hindu temple with Brother Dice when he was looking for a building back in 1999 over in Jamaica, Queens, and we were walking through and, and uh, we met somebody that I knew and he said, go down this street. He said, there's an old synagogue. There's actually a rabbi that sold us art building. He said, there's a synagogue down there. Why don't you buy that one? And so we went down there and they turned the synagogue into a Hindu temple. And I, I, I can still feel the revulsion and the hair in the back of my neck stands up just to think about it. But you see, their final authority was a man who had died in like 1919. and they had taken one of those pictures of uh, Vishnu, the multi-armed god, and had cut the head off of the image and so they and pasted it on like foam board, so it was like three-dimensional. And then they took a painting of this man's face and stuck it where the head belonged. And they had bowls of rice and fruit sitting there that they had offered to this foam board cutout of the god Vishnu with this man's face on top of it where its head should have been. And I'm sitting there going, Ooh. Hey, hey, Dana, do you feel like I feel? Dana said, let's get out of here. And I mean, we didn't even say goodbye. We just got out of that place but the man was explaining to us that that was their final authority you talk to a catholic it's the pope it's in a man you talk to the orthodox church and it's in the church councils and it's in the patriarch and it's it's in the church as a whole and it's in the decisions that have been made over the generations And how in the world you're supposed to find a final authority in all of that because it took them 500 years to figure out who Jesus was. I don't know how you're supposed to find a final authority in all of that. But we move up to some of the modern religions. Communism is a religion. And the final authority is in what is good for the state. What is good for... Who defines the state? Well, whoever the tyrant is that's in control of the state defines the state. So again, we see it going back to a man. As a Bible-believing Christian, our final authority goes to this book. And when we say, I know what the Bible says, but you're not esteeming all thy precepts concerning all things to be right. Now you notice I didn't say what the preacher says because I'm just another human being. But if I tell you what the Bible says and you can read it there, there's no excuse. Amen? Oh me? I'm in big trouble now? Listen, if I really esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right, then the second half of this verse follows. And I hate every false way. How many Christians lean over the fence of the railing of God's word, wishing that they could just reach over and pick a flower from the wrong side of the fence? Just a little pleasure from the old life. Don't you remember what that old life brought you? Did the devil ever give you what he promised? Did that good feeling you got when you got a buzz from the alcohol or the drugs or whatever it was you were taking, did it last very long? Did it ever give you what it promised to give you? Did you ever get something from the world that was really good? Therefore I love thy law above gold, yea, above fine gold. Therefore I esteem all thy precepts concerning all things to be right. And I hate every false way. You know what? Many Christians never grow to that point. But that's no excuse for anyone in this room not to do that. Amen? There's a striving, there's a process here that works. Go back and read through this psalm, let God's word do its work. There ought to be an expectation of God's Word working in your life, and that's going to cause you to grab a hold of this book and to love it. Let me warn you, if you don't hate every false way, you end up walking down one of them. A dear friend of mine, a man I esteemed highly in the ministry, just had to resign his church a couple weeks ago. because he didn't hate every false way. Now praise the Lord, he may be able to pastor again. He didn't do something that will put him out of the ministry forever. But I'll tell you what, sure brought a lot of shame upon his family and on people that knew him. And I'm not going to give you the preacher's name, but I want you to pray for him. Most of you wouldn't even know who he is. So just pray for the preacher the pastor talked about. Amen? Pray that God will bring him back. And he's woke up and he's realized that, you know, what I did was wrong. There's no excuse. Why do we do wrong things? It's because we don't hate every false way. We like that titillating sensation that the false way gives us. That's why young people smoke cigarettes behind the school building or wherever it happens to be. They do the little things when they think nobody's looking. Listen, if you esteem this book to be right in all things, then let's, let's start doing it. And if we're going to love God's law, then we have to hate the false ways. And you see, what is going on here? The struggles in the life of the psalmist do not appear to be getting less in, less, lower in their intensity. It actually looks like they're getting higher in their intensity. But what the psalmist is doing is his love for God's law and the power of God's word in his life far surpasses the height of the turmoil that comes from the trials and tribulations of this life. And see, that's where the joy comes from. It's not the absence of the struggles. It's more power in God's word to overcome them. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would help us to be challenged to love thy word, to desire your statutes above all that this world can offer to esteem them to be right, every one of them to be right in everything. Lord, we ask that you would teach us to hate false ways, that we would not allow our minds to walk down those darkened pathways of sin and degradation, that we would not be tempted to just know what it's like or to be curious as to what the other side does. But, Lord, that we would cling to your word, that you would give us an understanding, not of sin, but of thy laws, that we could keep them and know why we keep them. We ask you to do your work in our hearts, that we may live for thee. In Jesus' name we pray. And let's just keep our heads bowed. We'll have the piano play. And if you need to come and pray, the altar is open. We won't be long tonight, but we want to give you an opportunity.